No success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. That's why Club Wealth was founded, to help driven, successful, and busy real estate agents like you double their business while building a strong, balanced home life. Join us each week as high-producing agents and team leaders share their stories and unpack the principles and systems they've used to double, triple, and even quadruple their business while enjoying greater quality of life. And now, here's the latest episode of Club Wealth TV. My name is Michael Hellickson with Club Wealth. Uh, coaching and consulting. We do uh, Club Wealth TV live uh, normally. Apparently, uh, sometimes it's live. Sometimes it starts two minutes late. I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> but uh, but here we are. We're live now. And uh, today we're talking about is REO coming back? And I'm joined by some freaking rock stars today. Obviously, my co-host, Brian Curtis of Curtis Realty Group in uh, Bentonville, Arkansas. Brian is consistently doing anywhere from 35 to 45 transactions a month uh, there in Bentonville with his team. He also runs Club Wealth Expansion Services. Got my other co-host, Mike Bjorkman of uh, Team Bjorkman uh, at Home Smart Realty there in Santa Clarita, California. Mike is doing about a million and a half in GCI a year on his team. Oh, and besides that, he's out of production, so he doesn't actually work in his team. And he owns four offices. He owns a, a property management company, and he owns an escrow company, and all of them are wildly successful. We've also got Tim Ray on the line today. Tim is a freaking stud. Tim right now is also a tier two club wealth coach and uh, is consistently carrying over 70 REO assets at a time, uh, not to mention his retail properties. And then we've got Jesse Zorski on the line over in San Diego, California. Jesse is also club wealth faculty. What that means is when Jesse speaks, we endorse it. We trust him. When he speaks, people listen. He's better than E.F. Hutton. I don't know if you guys remember E.F. Hutton, but uh, Jesse is consistently doing uh, over a million a year in GCI there in San Diego, which is arguably the most competitive market in the country. So we've got quite a group here today, you guys. So I'm excited and uh, we're just going to rock and roll. So we're going to put it out there that you guys need to be getting on your Facebook right now uh, and typing in questions into your uh into your uh, the feed that you see on Facebook Live right now, we're getting a little background noise. Do you know that's from Brandon? Okay, so what I'd like you guys to do is type your questions for us into the questions box right there on the Facebook page, so that we can answer your questions live on t- on uh, Club Wealth TV today. So we're going to start with uh, I'm going to jump to Mike Bjorkman. I want to hear your thoughts. Is REO coming back? Is it still here? Did it ever leave? Is it not coming back? What's the story? Because especially in California, you hear people say, oh, there's no REO here today. We had that comment on Facebook just the other day. Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked that question. And I'm really glad Jesse's on this call too. Uh, as a matter of fact, we we added up the numbers the other day and we had about 20 sales just in 2016 from REO, which added up to a GCI of about $200,000. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of agents across the country would like to make $200,000 a year and people are saying, REO's dead, REO's dead. Uh, one of the benefits of working in north of Los Angeles is when you do get REO, uh, it's average price range, which is pretty big. Yes, there was a time where, you know, I had up to 50, 60 assets in the the REO market, and which was a lot for me. And some of the other guys across the country had four, five, six hundred at a time. But where we live, we're very blessed to have a very stable market. But reality was is the REO basically saved us and launched us into a whole new category of production across the country. So what I really enjoyed was having 
uh, that to not necessarily fall back on, but to be really diversified and get to work with investors that eventually helped me start my property management company. Um, but the reality is, is, is it coming back? I believe yes, because I believe, especially Southern California, we have five to seven year cycle. Uh, we've seen a lot more NODs lately. And uh, from traveling across the country and maintaining relationships with our asset managers, we definitely have uh, proof that their inventory is going up. Uh, did it ever go away? Yeah, it went away big time. But, you know, I'll still take the onesies, twosies because it's still a listing. Is it a lot of work? Yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's more important for me to accept those assets and maintain the relationships that we're having uh, with our asset managers and get ready for the, the next wave, if you will. That's awesome. Brian, what are your thoughts? You know, I really kind of echo a lot of what Mike says. So I'm not doing a ton of REO nowadays. I think at the peak of when I was doing REO, we might have had 60, 70 assets. But what I've noticed is that here's the beauty of if you want to be in the REO world and you're not sure if, if it's a good thing or not. If you have a team of buyer's agents or you're willing to go out and show some property, the last REO that we listed, it lasted... Oh, probably two and a half days on the market. And I think we had eight offers. So, um, you know, that's kind of great. It's one of those things, if you want to create some buyers really quick, uh, it's worth doing that work because I don't even know how many buyers we created off of it. But I do know that you put the word foreclosure up and people still have this perception, I would say is best the best word, that it's going to be some kind of amazing deal. The reality is, is as everyone on this call knows, just because it's a foreclosure, it actually probably means it's priced above market or at market at best. But um, it's definitely something that nowadays, it, you know, there's some opportunity out there for the people who are willing to put some time, energy and effort into it. Yeah, I got to oh, piggyback agree. on that. I, I, that's that's an amazing thing, and I'll show proof in the pudding. Last week, I got an REO from B of A, uh, two hundred eighty thousand. It was the least expensive single family residence in all of our town, and we have the adopt a home program. And one of my uh, team agents was adopting that home for the leads. And I'm not exaggerating when he said when I say I probably gave him thirty to forty leads in a three day span. And I'll tell you that was a heck of a lot cheaper and easier than a lead purchase platform, <laughs> you know? So, so we probably have 10 buyers in the pipeline just from one little REO. And, you know, we you do say that word foreclosure and it's on, and that was just one in one week. So we could probably, you know, li- realistically net three to five sales off that one sign in the next week. Yeah. REO definitely brings in sign calls, you know? So by the way, before I forget, I want to make sure you guys know if you're not already in the club wealth, real estate agent mastermind group, get in there right now and, and, and go in on the Facebook feed. You'll see that we're on our live feed there and you can literally type in your questions there or whichever live feed you happen to be on, go ahead and type them in and we'll, we'll get to your questions one at a time. Jesse, you had something to add. Go ahead. Yeah. I just want to know if I can play devil's advocate. Is that safe this early in the call? Absolutely. Yes. All right, cool. So I am a big believer that REO, just like real estate, REO is local. REO is driven by local conditions. So to say across the board, it's coming back, it's going, it's going away, whatever it is. Yes, there's national trends, but it's so different in each area. Um, the nice thing, by the way, today, guys, last time I was on this, I put on a suit because I was being a retail, a retail broker. This time, it's an REO call. I feel great in my California trucker hat and a, and a hoodie because this is what you wear as an REO broker. So yet another benefit of being an REO broker is you get to dress like this. Anyway, so what you want to do, because it's really a trade-off on time, right? Yes, REO, I agree 100% with what Brian Curtis is saying, what, what Mike Bjorkman is saying. Once you get the REOs, 
they're amazing. However, how much time, effort, and energy is necessary to get a single REO? And that depends on where you live in the country. So um, yeah. my background, some of you don't know who I am. Um, I, I'm a real estate broker in San Diego, but I also run a networking group of REO brokers called DS Pros, Default Servicing Professionals. So We've been doing this for eight years. I talk to some of the top REO brokers in the country on a regular basis to figure out what's going on, right? What's working. And to me, it's the Eastern Seaboard, the South. Tim Ray's in Kansas City. He is flooded with REOs. California, there's not that, there really isn't that many. Are they coming back? Bjorkman, I don't know. I mean, your Bjorkman's crystal ball is as good as my crystal ball, yeah. um, <laughs> right? So, so I used to carry 100 REOs at any time. I now have 14. Did I make money off them? Absolutely. Have some of the competition left the business? Absolutely. So could you break in if you're in California? Sure you could. But if you're in California, are you better off spending your time chasing REOs or going to convert expireds, FISBOs, anything else? If you're in the Eastern Seaboard, we had a new uh, DS Pros member just join in Virginia, who's actually also part of Club Wealth. And uh, they have like 12 REOs in the first month because there's just a whole <laughs> bunch in Virginia and everyone's jealous because like, what's going on? But we made a couple introductions and there's just a flood of REOs there. Yeah. Does that make sense? That's right. Yeah, we did a trip. Jesse and I did a trip. I don't know, a couple months ago. We went to well, we went to San Diego actually, and met with some people down there. And then we went to Dallas, and we brought uh, an agent from Chicago. And I literally watched her get probably fifteen assets in a three day period. They just <laughs> handed them to her, and I, we were just sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, this is awesome!" Yeah, but but you know what Jesse's what Jesse's saying is right. When we traveled, we were on the plane. You know, I was gone twenty six out of twenty six weeks out of the year in 2011 and each trip you know costed two three thousand dollars um you know and and i'll put my two cents in if i have to guess or if i have to pick uh if the next wave comes i'll always be diverse don't get me wrong but i will definitely go after the reo because at the end of the day it was a heck of a lot easier than going after expireds and fisbos um and you know and and i'm known for retail business but you know if i if i really look back and pick i yes if it if there's the next wave i will be right there surfing the hell out of it well, and so, you know, you're really hitting the nail on the head, Mike. And one of the questions that we just had in the Facebook group, uh, actually on the uh, Michael Hellickson's Club Wealth Real Estate Coaching page, uh, was from Andrea Holmes. And Andrea says, what is the best way to get an REO account? And I, I'd love to speak to this because you know, all of us have been there. All of us have been at zero, right? And so for me, when I was at zero, I went from zero to 417 REO assets in 10 months. That's very unheard of. And the reason I was able to do that is partly, I'm going to call it what it is, because of where I live, because I'm in Washington State and I'm not in San Diego. I mean, you're not going to see a San Diego agent go from zero to 417 in 10 months. It's not going to happen because there's a lot more competition and less volume. And so it does have an impact on what area you're in. That being said, the best way to get it, a lot of people think, oh, I'm going to go do BPOs and I'm going to go do you know, all this stuff for the banks. And because they like my performance, they're going to send me assets. Listen, that's not true. The reality is it even today, it is still a relationship business. It is very relationship driven. And that doesn't mean that you're back in the day, there was a lot of corruption in those relationships. There was, you know, there were agents in California, none of our guys, none of Jesse's guys, but there were agents uh, in California that were literally paying money under the table to get assets. They were giving, they were giving kickbacks to these asset managers. And I don't know that anybody went to jail, but they should have. And uh, the reality is you don't have to do that. You have no business doing that. Don't get involved in that. We don't endorse it. We don't condone it. And if we find out you're doing it, we'll kick you out of club wealth altogether. We don't want to be associated with that in any way, shape or form. 
Um, that being said, the relationships do matter and you have to get permission from these, these banks. You have to know what their rules are. Everybody's got different rules on how you can interact with their asset managers. Some of them let you take people to dinner. Some of them will let you bring lunch into the office. Some of them might let you do an event, you know, where you educate their office on how to do, uh, you know, how to market properties. Um, some of them let you just come in and just do a walkthrough and meet and greet in the office. There's lots of ways you can do this. The key is understand what the rules are and make sure you don't violate them. Do not put your asset managers in, in a situation of getting in trouble. Tim, go ahead. I can see you're dying to chime in on this. Well, uh, good morning, everybody. Tim Ray, Kansas City. Uh, thanks for having me on the call, Michael. Um, so the question was, is REO coming back? I don't know. I've been a lot of places the first quarter of this year. I've heard a lot of people talk, a lot of uh, people that are you know, professionals in this industry, like everybody's got a different opinion. Um, all I can gauge off of to answer the question is REO coming back would be, what have I seen in this market? I am in the DS pros with Mike and Jesse, and we have a lot of relationships around the country. It kind of seems like REO is coming back, like because our, our connections are getting more properties. Now, are we getting more properties? Because of networking that we've done or relationships that we're building. So are we getting properties that were already there that were someone else's property to manage and now we're getting those? Or is there an increase in default? And I think there actually is an increase in default. That's what we're seeing. I mean, I have a couple of friends in California. Um, I think a lot of us do that in the last couple of months have, have got properties that just appeared in their inventory. Um, is that California specific? I don't really know. I would answer the question is yes. REO is coming back um, because we're seeing it nationwide. So, you know, I think you're right about that. I think that a lot of it, I think there's both phases, right? I think you've got those, the increase due to just REO coming back a little bit. And it's not, not in a big way. I don't think anybody, and correct me if any of you disagree, I don't think anybody believes that there's this huge influx of REO coming anytime soon. Uh, that being said, I do think that because the volume is down, fewer people are on the road, fewer people are going out meeting these asset managers and developing those relationships. And you guys correct me if you think I'm wrong, but I think that because of some of that, I think that now you're starting to see a little bit of increased volume because the travel that you're doing is more productive. It's more, it's, it's bringing greater results because there's less competition for that right now. Would you guys agree with that or do, am, I, am I off on that? I don't, I don't know that there's less competition for it. I think there's definitely, you know, there's a couple of different groups of people that are out doing what some of us are doing to build relationships and generate business. But just on, you know, on my traditional side and the, the operation that I'm growing here in the Midwest, uh, we have preferred lenders. And the interesting thing is as we're bringing preferred lenders into our network, um, man, I'm hearing some really interesting loan products out there, like anywhere from 0% to 1% down. Whereas you guys remember the days of like the stated income loan, like no doc, no right. income. Right. We're not necessarily going, we're not necessarily going back to that, but I'm saying lending restrictions are loosening up and it's, it's now becoming a lot easier to get a loan. And Correct. I think that that's in, an, in, a, in a sense going to fuel, uh, the rise of REO. Yeah. So, so Tim, I agree with you 100%. It's going to fuel the rise. However, as lending guidelines loosen, we're like two to four years out from those people actually defaulting. 
right? At the earliest. So you're talking about the next wave that I think I agree with you. It's coming 2020 to 2024. That's when that wave, because we're seeing these looser loan guidelines. The real question is what is causing the increase right now? So you can look at NODs, notice of defaults. It's a trackable statistic. It's public record. And you can look at a very clear statistically based analysis of our NODs going up. However, I don't think we're seeing that much across the board. What I believe the current, because I do think REOs are going up. I don't think it's just that Tim is a good looking dude and people like him. I think there really are more. Although that is true. I mean, it is true. It's, it's, that's not debatable. That is a, that is a fact. But the, uh, the point is that the, uh, the banks have, so here, I'm going to see if I can, I also made a screen share. I'll, and that person who asked the question on how to get REOs, I have a three-step process on getting REOs. I'll share with you in just a sec. But the, where REOs are coming from, there were these really big banks or GSEs, government, what is GSE? Government-sponsored enterprise, right? Fannie, okay. Freddie, HUD. They sold off a ton of their inventory to investors. Those people said, we don't know what to do with it, but we want to make money. And they shifted it over here. That stuff wallowed and sat for a couple of years. And now those investors who are called hedge funds typically are going, great, let's sell the REO. And all of a sudden this stuff is coming back. And if you look at where your inventory is coming from, those of you who have REOs, my guess is that the majority of it or a large percentage of the increase is coming from the hedge fund clients. Just to guess. Would you guys, Bjorkman, Tim, you guys seeing that also? I, I, I would agree with that. And also to add to what you just said is we... Let's see. In the last few months, we were getting properties that were five years vacant, four years vacant, things yeah. like that. Whereas they, a lot of this inventory was just shifted around inside the market, bundled up, resold. You know, Fannie and Freddie are liquidating a ton of their non-performing notes right now, all to hedge fund people or hedge fund companies that are, in in essence, maybe they're maybe they're equipped to liquidate these, maybe they're not equipped to liquidate them. But the case is that. We received probably ten properties that were a minimum of three. Well, they were probably three to five years vacant. Yeah, that one I was just talking about from last week was actually uh, foreclosed on four and a half years ago, which is really hard to believe. But here's the reality, and you know, and this is the answer or piggyback on what Jesse was saying. I think there's waves of what's going on, and you're right. As lending lightens up a lot, like it is, and there are zero down loan programs out there right now. Uh, I get calls every single day. You're right. That is a two to four year default. But what I'm seeing right now is there's a lot of people that bought here in Southern California in the last year or two. And we're absolute. We're at 2005 prices again. Uh, bidding wars. People are overpaying, extremely overpaying for houses. Two things I see happening. Investors are not being able to flip their properties like they want to. Uh, I've seen some of those go default. But more importantly, the average mom and pop one person loses their job and it's over. You have a you have an NOD again. And I think we're going to start seeing that wave first of all, because there's, you know, let's face it, bad things happen to really good people. So that's why REO never goes away. But as these hedge funds also, they have a three to five year deal with their investors and they've owned them for five, six years where we're at at least. And now it's time to sell. So when we were in Dallas, when we consult with Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae and um, some of the feds and whatnot, they, they actually did a pre-bailout and begged, absolutely begged the hedge funds not to release their inventory. So the inventory, the, the hedge funds got a big fat check to not release them and they had to renegotiate with their investors. And we know that to be true. And that was last year when we were in Dallas. So here's the reality. We got to see what they're going to do this year. The hedge funds at some point have to release their inventory. 
Well, they, they said they're going to do it one to three percent a year, but that's still releasing it, and it's still REO, and it's still something us as agents have to take advantage of. We have to build those relationships, we have to seek them out, and so, we have to work with those servicers. We so, have to. So, so, so can we? Can, can we? Can we answer that question then of how? Because I think we've kind of like Helixon, you gave a good explanation of talk to people, right? It's relationship based. I agree with it, but whoever asked that question should still be scratching their head and going. But who That's do I talk to, right? What do yeah. I do? Like, like it's a, it's a, it was a good service level thing. But let me, I just made this screen share. Give me one sec. Oh, it, over here. While you're sharing that, Jesse, I want to comment on, you know, these on on what Mike just said in terms of the hedge funds releasing this inventory. You know, most of the hedge funds, like Blackstone, came out with, you know, their their comment when they when they started their hedge fund up there, their entire game plan, their business model was. We're going to release these properties. We're going to we're going to buy them. We're going to hold them for five to seven years, and we're going to sell them. And their investors banked on that commitment that they were going to have an exit strategy of five to seven years with those properties. So that time is coming gone. We're there. We're in that time now. They're they've got to start releasing those properties at some point, right, Mike? Fannie Mae doesn't want to see a million, and not just Fannie Mae, but all the GSEs. Nobody wants to see all these properties just dumped on the market all of a sudden. Because we'll have another uh, another meltdown. So, so, it so would this, this is yeah yeah. Absolutely but you know what, guys? Th- this isn't this isn't being recorded, right? This is not for the record no. forever. No, not recorded. Oh, so, yeah, I'm, right. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm just going to say. So, no offense, any servicer that's listening, but they're not that smart, guys. They had this like no offense, but they're, they're, people. T- I'm going to take my screenshot off. Hold on. So, you guys, I get that. There's at some level, there's a conscious thought of not trying to flood the market. They aren't that coordinated. There was never that big a conspiracy or anything. It was more the inefficiency of the disposition system. I know that's a mouthful, but basically they just had too much to know what to do with. And so if, if you have a super dirty room, like and those of you out there who have kids, you got a super messy room, right? And you tell your kids, go clean your room. And your kid doesn't want to. And finally they go clean it. You might have a halfway cleaned room. Maybe it'll still be dirty. Maybe the room will be totally clean, but half the stuff gets pushed under the bed, Right. Exactly what happened in REO. Right, that's they, right. They, they didn't know how to clean the room that quickly. Not, it wasn't because they were like, "Let's let's 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 clean this room slowly, guys. Let's clean the room one step at a time." <laughs> no, they just had no idea. It was too much. Yeah, and most of it was caught up in uh, litigation. You know, all yeah. the people were suing the heck out of the banks and suing the servicers, then suing suing each other. It was crazy. So these properties were totally vacant, ready to go. And they couldn't be sold. And that's why all the non-performing notes were sold to the hedge funds. They were like, yeah, we'll take them. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just tied up in a bunch of junk. And once they get through that. But the nice thing about the hedge funds is they are going to release them or they already are. Just in our town alone, they own 5,500 homes. And if they started releasing those all at once, we'd like I said, we'd be devastated. But the reality is there's people living in them, real humans. And they're actually going to them first to seeing if they want to buy them. If they say no, then they have to wait for their leases to be up. And then there's going to be a... Uh, you know, a term of a few months while they turn them over and get them ready to sell. And that's, that's what's going to stop them all from coming out at once. But uh, I'm with you, Jesse. We should probably educate the agents across the country on what we need to do to get into there. Well, but but, let's, but Brian's got a question, so go for it, Brian. So, you know, I'm trying to answer the question in a simpler way. So, you know, I guarantee you there's people on this phone call going, really, I've got to try and figure out how to deal with a hedge fund manager. That sounds like someone I never want to talk to, never I'm going to have access to, and I might as well just hang up and stop listening to the rest of this call. So I want to take it back just a step. And I, I, everything that Jesse and Mike said, I, I completely agree with. But, you know, what's the best way to get an REO account? The very first thing that I would do if I was trying to get an REO account and I'd never had one is start talking to my local banks, 
Because if I go to Fannie and they say, and I, you know, meet somebody at Fannie Mae and they say, Hey, we really want you to, you know, list some of our properties. How many have you listed? Well, I've never listed an REO. Well, no offense to anyone who's never listed an REO, but Fannie Mae is not going to give you an account if you've never listed an REO. Neither is Bank of America or any of these other big servicers. So start simple, start small. The worst thing that happens is you build really great relationships locally and say, look, I want to be an REO agent. And they'll give you, if you're go to a local bank and they've got an REO and they don't know who to give it to, they'll give it to you. You can't call Bank of America and say I'm brand new, but you can go to your local bank, build a relationship with people. And now you've got a resume. And then, you know, a lot of those times when those those asset managers will say, well, send me your send me your REO resume. Well, on my REO resume, I want to actually have three or four asset managers I've worked for. Well, they may not know well, that not it's just a local bank, but they'll still accept that. So where would I start? I would start simple, small, and just start knocking on local doors, just kind of like any other lead generation source. Yeah. that you know. And, and by the way, on that, I want to stop and let everybody know, because I've still got people that are trying to get questions in, and they're putting them in different spots. For those of you that can put your questions in this screen right here in the in the Facebook Live that you've got right now, we're gonna have we run a contest as we do this. We have a, 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 an annual Hawaiian vacation giveaway contest, and so what we're gonna do is we're gonna be giving away uh, a, a ticket, an entry to that Hawaiian giveaway contest to the person who asked the very best question on this call. So put your questions in there, and at the end of the call, the best question is gonna get it. So Jesse, let's jump to you and let's talk about your three step plan on how do I get REO. Perfect. So I wanted to break this down in as simple as possible. And we could talk for hours or days. I mean, this is what Tim, Mike, and you know Brian and I, we talk about for at length. But this is like my 30-second version of how you get REOs. So step one, sign up on the major REO portals. What the heck is an REO portal? So REO is a task-driven system. So the banks give you, when we say the word asset, by the way, guys, asset means a house to sell. Asset means a listing. It's just an REO term for what they call a listing. They're all driven by tasks, drive by each week, complete evaluation requests, put in some data. It all is task driven. So that's the benefit of REO is you got no emotion from a seller. You've just got this portal. So you want to sign up on the three major portals that I would say probably compromise 70, 80% of all REOs out there are run through one of these three websites. So res.net, equator.com, and pyramidplatform.com. I was starting to put them up on the page, pyramid platform, resnet. I didn't quite get to equator, but it, you just go and sign up. It's free to sign up. They might charge you something on one of them. And for resnet, you actually do have to have the highest level of resnet, which is like 400, 500, or 600 a year in order to be eligible to get properties. 700. 700. So before you go pay for a lot of money to sign up, you got to make sure you're actually going to be committed to getting business. But that is step one. If you're not in a portal, they cannot assign you the property. Okay. Step two, go to conferences. Who are you going to network with? So I love what Brian said, and I'll come back to what you said, Brian, about uh, starting with your local banks, because I really do love that strategy. The other thing you can do if you have no experience Go to conferences. That's where these people used to hang out, and some of them still do hang out. So Five Star Conference and RioMac.org. Those are the two conferences that still run a fairly large REO industry-specific conference. Step number three, network with other REO brokers. Right? You want to know who to talk to? Ask people who are already doing it. And you can't come in with a take, take, take mentality because no one's going to want to help you. But if you figure out a way to help them back or however it is, I mean, I'm not saying this is back to Helix and it's not a monetary compensation. I'm just saying, be a good person, be cool, be friendly, figure out a way to like network together. That's what networking is. Um, 
that's who you're going to know who to target. So if you're in an area, here's my quick tips. And I think I'm a little over 30 seconds, but this is pretty darn short, right, guys? All right. So uh, your tips, you want to target rural or less competitive areas, especially if you have no experience. If you have no rural in your market and you're in the middle of like Chicago, then target the inner city because I guarantee very few other people are, are purposely going after the low-end areas. Once you get your foot in the door, then you can back it out and go to the better areas. Tim, I'll let Tim talk about in a minute his rural strategy because Tim is ridiculous with that and crushes it. Uh, the last one, Brian, this will get you'll like this one, Brian. See this one? Fake it till you make it. So <laughs> all of us, all of us, take off my screen share. All of us had no experience in REO at one point. And I guarantee I went to an asset manager, that's who works at the bank, who typically assigns the properties. And I said, hey, I will do a great job for you. And if they ask me, I never lied. I never specifically said, I don't have our, I would never say I have REO experience if I don't, but I would be creative. I would say probably at the beginning, because actually my coach originally, my very first coach years ago in real estate was Luigi Caprio, who is still a coach for Club Wealth. And I would say, well, I'm coached by a phenomenal REO broker, right? I could, you can bend the truth and you're part of an organization, Club Wealth, that has a, a ton of REO experience and they will hold your hand and make sure you do a killer job, right? So if you're going to fill a need for this client, which is handling a property in the middle of nowhere that no one else will touch, and you're going to be coached by someone who walks you through REO, doesn't matter if you don't have experience. I mean, it'll help if you have some, but you got to start somewhere. Anyone of you guys want to chime in on that? I do. Um, first thing I want to say is, as we as we talk about these club wealth coaches, um, we have <laughs> three I'm staring at right now, four that are on the five that are on the line that are club wealth coaches that actively do REO. So if I was looking to get into REO, I would probably ask for one of those coaches. Um, but, you know, it brings me back, Jesse, to 2010 or 2011 when we met. You know, I, I had no experience except for the early 90s after the earthquake. I did some REO. I did a couple short sales. We kind of pioneered them. But it had been out of the game for so long that when 2007 and 8 and 9 and you know 10 finally came along, I was so fed up of watching other brokers make so much money. I said, hey, I'm going to get into this. But that, I mean, reality, I mean, think of the first couple of times we were together. I had zero experience in that generation of, of REO. And you know, I legit had 12 accounts in 90 days. I, I, I hope, Mike, you, I hope Mike, Mike, I hope you take this as a compliment, but you are the best example I've ever seen of fake it till you make it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, really, you are. The, the guy walks with such an air of confidence. Did any asset manager even ask you about your REO background? I bet you no one even asked. Never right? once. Never, Never once. Be because one, he surrounded himself with people who were experienced. So just by virtue of being next to people in DS Pros who were experienced or in Club Wealth, that they just assume that you know what you're doing also. Second, he walks with this air of confidence. Like if you've ever met Mike in person or if you can tell in these webinars, Mike just... Like he's just the man. Like you see him, you're like, no, I wanna, I wanna like be I wanna be like Mike, right? I love you. Yeah. But it's true. I was nervous. I had sweaty palms. I didn't know who to talk to. And, you know, I had to be very strategic. And I and I teach my agents and my and my students across the country today. I say it's no different than going to a chamber mixer. You know, find the cool people, hang out, and start asking questions. Who's that? Who's that? You know, and ask the right questions. And then be just be super strategic on who you would need to talk to. Like when I go into a meeting, I, I pick three or four people that I absolutely have to get their cell phone number or connect with them on Facebook. It doesn't matter whether it's a chamber mixer 
or at an REO conference, I use the same strategy and, and I just do not stop until I have that. And those three or four people are my target for the day. Even though there's 400 people in the room, those are my targets. And, and then I'll, I'll start planning the next event or the next meeting um, from that. But that is, that is the quickest, easiest way to get REO. And, and I didn't even, I couldn't believe it. My poor assistant that's in the back right now, she's like, I, I, I got on a plane two, three times and came back and dropped, you know, 40 listings in her lap. And she's like, what the <laughs> and, you know, we had to learn all new systems and we didn't even know what equator was. It was, a, it was a nightmare, but it was fun and it was easy. And it was, you know, honestly, I think that really did pull us out of the market and, and jumpstart us into a lot of different avenues that we didn't have before. Uh, you know, we were able to um, get a lot of people calling us and we did from 2005 to 2012, we probably did 400 short sales. Probably half of those we did after we got into REO. And a lot of those banks, asset managers, and platforms that we're talking about referred those short sales to us. So that was a whole other avenue. Here, Mike, here's a pre-approved short sale. Thanks. It was nice seeing you the other day. I mean, amazing opportunity rises when you actually can you know, get, your, get yourself in front of them and be strategic. Hey, I'd also like to piggyback on what Jesse had to say there too, and I'll just make real short. Um, I, I think I just stepped on Tim, but one of the things that you really pointed out is basically take the properties that nobody else wants. So when I talked to Michael, gosh, probably two years ago about this, he said, you know, I only worked five counties at one time. So I'm not suggesting that you have to do that, but the number, the way I got Bank of America many years ago was by taking an account in another state that nobody wanted and it was in the middle of nowhere. And I drove an hour and a half each direction to that asset that I sold for $80,000. I'm not sure if I actually made any money on that, but I can tell you all the other assets I got from Bank of America after that, you know, that got me in the door. So anyway, Tim, I stepped on. You want you chime in, man. So like everyone's piggybacking on Jesse, so I'll piggyback on Jesse and Bjork. Um, here's the thing: two things I wanted to talk about. So yes, yeah, somebody mentioned earlier uh, one of our buddies in the Virginia area got twelve assets dumped on him. Uh, this this is a guy. If we're talking about the same guy, this is a guy who had no REO experience whatsoever. Um, like there's just no reason to try to fake it. Uh, as far as like act like you're a professional or not. Here's the deal. Um, the best single, the single best strategy is I'm a hustler. I'm a hard worker. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to earn your business, whether that's do BPOs, whether that's take a rural property. Um, and that's, that's exactly what a lot of, a lot of people that I know in the business right now have done to get their foot in the door is just say, look, I'm willing and able to provide you a level of customer service that you're probably not getting from somebody else. And if you are great, add me to your list and remember me. Uh, as far as, as far, does that make sense? Do you guys agree with that, Jesse? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. I was just asking, we're using a lot of acronyms in case the people watching have no idea. Can you tell people what a BPO is? Because that's also a good step foot. Oh. Used to be a good fo- first step in the door, whether it is or not, but go ahead and explain what that is. Correct. But being able to provide something that someone else may or may not be able to, but a BPO is a broker's price opinion. It's basically a miniature appraisal. It's kind of a, a snapshot of the market and comparison data for the subject property um, that the bank has. In other words, you know, you're doing a miniature appraisal and it's done inside the platforms that Jesse put up on the screen earlier, the res.net, equator, et cetera. Um, and then just being able to provide a service to people. Uh, I'm in the Midwest, man. There's a lot of, there's a lot of agents in the rural part by rural. I mean, out in the sticks, like two, three hours away from civilization that just won't drive very far by very far. I mean, like 15 miles, 
So one way that I've built relationships with a lot of my clients, I have 33 national uh, and federal or government related clients right now. One of the ways I've built really good relationships with them is like, hey, guys, if you have something that's rural or out really far away, our staff is actually equipped to handle it. We could help you out with it. Now, we don't necessarily take anything that you send our way because maybe a particular client might have more stringent guidelines. Like, in other words, if they want you to do a weekly occupancy check on a property that's seven hours away, you probably can't provide good customer service for them. But if you can match what they require as far as expectation and customer service, by all means, that's a good way to get your foot in the door. Say, I'll take this property for you if you can try to get me in your network inside the city. So that's always been a really good strategy to use. Uh, but then again, everything boils down to the relationships you build, the opportunity that you get to meet with these people. And that's where there are coaches on the call that um, have a lot of experience, a lot of connections. And then the five star and the Rio Mac conferences, those are always really good places to end up because that's where you get FaceTime with people that can change your life. So I want to jump on that just for a second, because one of the things I hear a lot, you know, people come to me and they say, so if I join Club Lumber, if I join DS Pros, are you guys going to just connect me with all the asset managers and, and give me all the relationships? And and I really want you guys to take a step back and understand, and I'm not talking about the guys on the call here, but I'm talking about people that are listening. I want you to take a step back and really understand this. Be a giver first. You absolutely have to give, give, give before you ask for anything in return. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to have an, an account relationship with an asset manager already or an account already, right? Because you can go to a conference, for example, like Tim said, like a Real Mac or a Five Star or some of these other conferences. Asset managers there, but what you really want to do is you want to develop relationships with agents around the country that are actively involved in REO. And then when you're at these conferences, you can be listening for people's needs. All of a sudden, you'll be talking to an asset manager and they'll say, man, I really need somebody in San Diego. Oh, well, let me introduce you to Jesse Zagorski. And now you've introduced Jesse to an account he may or may not have yet. Now Jesse kind of owes you one, right? So now Jesse will feel like, hey, I'd really appreciate that you made that introduction. And if and only if now you've got you, if you're a knucklehead and you're just an embarrassment, he's not going to introduce you to anybody. I mean, let's call it what it is. None of us is going to put our reputation on the line for somebody that we don't believe really can bring it and isn't going to embarrass us with our asset manager. Uh, that being said, if you're for real and if we feel like you've, you've got value and you bring value and you have brought value to people that have those relationships, of course, they're going to reciprocate. Uh, so, but just understand, don't just go into this thinking, I'm going to take, 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 take. You got to really understand that, look, I got to find those needs that other people have and help them fill their needs and I'll get what I want eventually. Jesse, go ahead. Doesn't that work for all of life? Yes. I mean, that's not, that's not just REO, but, it, but it's, I think it's more common in REO because of the way the mechanism works. Like you said, I, I made a little sign and um, I mean, it's partially true. Can you see my sign? <laughs> club, club wealth, club wealth, easy life. And, and it's true. Like, yes, being a part of club wealth does make your life better, but it's not like a magic pill. It's not like you join club wealth and suddenly boom, REO show up in your inbox and you get to go sell how, like, that's just not how it works. So, but I do think what you said, Michael is spot on. Um, I, I like to tell people in DS Pros, that's our little networking group, I say over and over, pleasantly consistent, right? Oh, sorry, pleasantly persistent. Pleasantly persistent. Pleasantly persistent. There's <laughs> yeah, a big yeah. difference between being like, oh, I'm all, right? And just being like, hey, I'm still here. Like, I want to be a part of this. Don't ever do that again, yeah. Jesse. Oh, I, heard, I heard that's how you got Keystone. What are you talking about? That's totally how I picked up a lot of it. No, not at all. So pleasantly persistent. And the other thing is... Um, 
I, I don't know, just be a cool person. Like, I don't know how else to say it. It really is just be a good person. Just, and, you know, people want to be around you. It's, it makes you a, a, a magnetic as opposed to a repulsive, you know, your energy pushes people away. Yeah. And let's, you know, this, I completely agree with you there. You guys, you've got to be socially acceptable. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, right? Like you can't be a complete, I, I can't think of a nice way to say this. I'm just going to say, you just can't be a jerk. You know, you've got to, You've got to you, you've got to be socially acceptable. Listen more than you talk. Get ask them. You know, and here's and this sounds crazy. Use the Ford technique. When you get in conversation with somebody, ask them about their family, their occupation, their recreation, their dreams. Let them do all the talking. And we used to play a game. I, I know you guys all know Ty Leon Guerrero and Alex Lair, who are two of the guys I used to do a lot of traveling with. And, and we would play a game. We'd go out with asset managers, and we'd see which of us could do the least amount of talking that night. And I mean, literally, we would add up the time. And there are nights where we would say maybe six to 10 sentences within a particular group of asset managers. And we were okay with that because those asset managers came away from it feeling like we were the best communicators in the world, right? We were like these great conversationalists. Why? Because we let them do all the talking. I got I got an asset manager on the call right now. Chris is actually a club wealth coaching client right now, but Chris used to be an asset manager. And he's like, he's laughing. He's like, ha ha, I love it. So you know, you guys, it's really true. Now, we've got some great questions coming in. And by the way, don't forget, we're giving away an entry to the Hawaiian vacation giveaway for the best questions today. Uh, and so Sheree Benjamin's asking, what are the real costs of being an REO agent? I heard you need a, lot, need a lot of money saved up to handle these assets. Who wants to hit that? That I wanted to jump in on, right? So everybody thinks it would be great to wear a suit and look like Jesse did two days ago and then jump on a call today with a track jacket and a hat. That's cool. Jesse's cool. The reality is REO is expensive. Uh, REO commissions aren't always full price, full commissions. Can you guys hear me okay? I might have cut out. Yeah, you're, okay, you're going to have a little bit um, of an internet challenge there. We're going to have to get you to move up beyond uh, dial-up, but that's all right. We'll work on that later. <laughs> hey, man. AOL, right? <laughs> it's in so, Kansas, dude. Are you on that 14-4 still, or what are you on now? <laughs> yeah, we, we have, we have, man. So, uh, REO is not for everybody. Like it is expensive. And Brittany's got a great, I think it was Brittany. She's got a great question. Like, I don't know what the cost is. I mean, right now I've got over $50,000 out just on rehabs, cash for keys, um, property maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. So I'll let somebody else take it from here. Yeah, I'd love to chime in on that. Go for it. Go for it, Brian. Okay, because I think that this is something that and Mike Barkman and I were talking about that before the phone call. So I had a deck fall off a house the other day. So five grand. <laughs> I mean, it's a real story. It didn't happen 10 years ago. It happened the other day. And, you know, so we got two bids out there and they're going to go out and fix it. So, uh, you know, eventually I'll get paid paid back for that. But ultimately, I'm going to write a check for five grand. They're going to fix the deck and I'm going to get that back. Um, I don't even remember how much it was when we had 30, 40 assets. But when you have gas, water, electric on 40 assets... Not only does it take a lot of money to write those checks every month, but you've got to have a whole system in place to maintain that. So, you know, just something to think about and, and you know, driving around. I think uh, Tim mentioned this earlier, but driving around to all your, let's say you've got 20 assets, you're driving around to 20 assets once a week. Either you have to do that or you're going to have to pay somebody else to do that. So just things to consider. I mean, there's great opportunities out there and I, you know, if we could have 50 REOs again, I would take it. I'm not against that in any way, shape, or form. But it's not free. It is a lot of work. And here's here's the one thing that a lot of people don't think about in REO. REO is a 365-day-a-year job. Christmas yep. is a day that a task is due. And they don't think about it. They, when they assign that task and it's a 48-hour task and they assign it on the 23rd of December, they don't care. 
And nope. the system is not smart enough to go, oh, it's Christmas, so we'll let Brian go on that task that he didn't complete. So just things to think about. It is a 24-7, 365-day-a-year job. Phenomenally profitable for those who can get into it, but definitely so. Anyway, I'll back out. I stepped on some. You know, I think we should talk about that for a minute. Hang on real quick, Mike. I want to jump on reimbursements because this is a big, a good example of uh, my biggest remodel. I literally had to do a $130,000 remodel on a house. I put the cash up for that. Normally, if it's that big, the bank will front the money, but some banks just won't. And I literally had to write a check for $150,000 and I didn't get it back. But it just is what it is. But but that's rare. That, that's rare. That like, rare. Like I, that, that, that shouldn't be a, a hurdle to getting into REO. Someone listening thinking, I don't have 150 cash liquid. That, that's crazy <laughs> talk, dude. There's not, like, no offense. I love you, man. But like, how many REO agents out there have 150 liquid sitting around to do that? Very few. Yeah. Very few. But what is important though, and I think what people do need to realize there's, there is that there's going to be money that they're going to pay. And it's usually, you know, 1500 here, 500 there, you know, whatever. It's not usually big money, but there's money that you're going to have to pay out on things that, and it's going to take you a period of time to get that back. And very importantly, you have to have your stuff wired tight. You had better be on your game when it comes to your bookkeeping and accounting, because if you're not, they will not pay you back. If you miss a deadline, they don't care. Some of these guys had reputations. Now it's gotten a lot better today, but back in the day, there were a lot of these companies that had a reputation for deliberately screwing agents out of their reimbursements. Um, And so just be aware of that. It's not the case anymore. It's, you know, that's very, very rare today. Uh, But Jesse, I I think the banks want to know that you have about a thousand dollars per asset. You know, right. because that's kind of, that's kind of a good average number. And then, if you have fifty assets, do you need fifty thousand dollars? Probably not. But guys, can we clarify this? I put it in the Facebook chat uh, for your request, Michael, but I want to just make sure we clarify. There's two sets of money that you need. You need reserves for fronting money for repairs, and then you need money to pay your staff for actual REO expenses. Two, part of it, you're going to get paid back and reimbursed. Part right. of it, you will not. So right. it was actually uh, Cherie that asked the question on the Facebook chat. So the, I'm gonna, we can go around the room and see what money you guys think you need. I think you need like 10000 in reserves to get started. You can maybe could do it with five thousand, but I think ten thousand safe, and you don't need to even even have it sitting around. You could have a a, a, a line of credit. You just have to have access to that money sitting available, right. so you can front it. Secondarily, you need money for your staff. REO is a lot more when it's task driven. You need a lot more staff than a traditional retail listing. So when you're driving past a property every week and you're doing forty two tasks on a property and you know on a monthly basis or whatever it is. It takes a lot of time. You can do it yourself if you want to keep your money, your you know your margins down. But man, you're going to go insane. So you got to figure out. I got to pay someone. So whatever your market is, the reason I didn't put on Facebook the uh, an actual cost for staff because it varies. I pay my staff different than Tim Ray pays his staff. I hope because he's in Kansas City and I'm in San Diego. So I think our staff has different basic costs of living. You want to keep rubbing in that you have all the high end properties, <laughs> low end properties. That's cool, man. You know, I can. I can put this really simple for the agents listening um, because I do. And I think REO is exactly like owning a property management company. Every single agent at one time or another goes, should I do property management? And this is the exact question you should ask. Should I do REO? Because basically you're going to do property management. In a property management company, I have a property manager. That would be the, somebody who oversees the accounts. I have a bookkeeper. That's somebody who does the bills. Um, you know, It's ridiculous. We have gas, water, you know, all the other reimbursements. And then you have, um, 
you know, you have to have runners, somebody to show the properties is basically going out and doing your inspections and checking on repairs and doing occupancy checks and all that stuff. So it's just like managing a property. And when the market turned from REO and I was training agents how to do property management, it was the exact the same thing. They said, well, should I fire my bookkeeper? No, you need that. Should I fire my runner? No, you definitely need that to to get them out there. I mean, it's the exact same thing. And I think that budget we're talking about, the agents are, are always wondering how much. I mean, I remember back in the day, I probably spent 10 grand my first month and that was just in travel and expenses and entertainment. And then I needed another account, which was about $10,000. Uh, but I think those times are a little different now. The preservation companies um, have a lot of that handled for us and the banks have a lot of it handled for us. But but I, I mean, just last year, we had a condo that had like a $650 a month HOA that we had to pay. And then we, <laughs> it took us six months to get rid of this property because there was a tenant in it. And those are definitely you know things that you need to worry about. But I like what Jesse says. It's not it's not out of hand, you know. If, if you have a credit card or two that you have a couple grand a month on, you're okay. Right, and, and this is real quick, Jesse. I want to I want to jump in real quick because here's here's what I'm worried about. I'm worried that there's a lot of people watching this right now, and we're and we're giving them great information. I'm just worried that some of you are getting a little freaked out about. Oh my gosh, is it even worth doing REO? You know, I see, and Sandy makes a good comment. It's a 365 day a year job. It's out of pocket expenses. Maybe I get reimbursed. Maybe I don't. And I'm getting paid one percent on the listing. I want to come back. I want to circle back to what Jesse said in the beginning of this call. And and I think actually it might have been Brian. REO is the best lead magnet on the planet. When you have REO listings, you get more buyer leads than you know what to do with immediately. It is absolutely an amazing way to get business coming in. And it's a great way to have volume in the marketplace. So REO is a great thing to do, but you do need to take all of these things into consideration as you explore it. Jesse, go ahead. Um, I have no idea what train of thought I was on, but I agree with you and everybody else. <laughs> no, but, no but ser- but seriously, um, I, I think if I was new to REO and I was listening to us talk, I would be scared also. And I, I'm glad because this is the reality of the market. Like I saw a Facebook comment from, uh, it was from Bonnie from yesterday who was like, this is a shocking topic. You guys are talking about REO, right? Like, why are you talking about REO? Is it really back? So it, it's, you got to know, you got to be real about this, right? REO is not for the faint of heart. It's a phenomenal tool and a phenomenal niche if it works in your area and if you want to go for it full full board. But if you don't like what we're talking about, there's how many other ways do you teach people how to make money in Club Wealth, Michael? I mean, what? Hundreds. Hundreds. Yeah, I mean, there's just... There's more ways to do real estate than you can shake a stick at. The key is find the one that works for you. Yeah. That's yeah, all I have to say. It's not going to be just one, right? Your business needs to not just be one lead generation source, right? REO is just one lead generation source. You know, you've got your referral database, you've got you've got your your Facebook marketing, you've got all, you know, maybe you're calling Fizbo's expired. Where there's hundreds of different ways you can do this. Everybody's going to have a, their own kind of mosaic of systems and processes and lead gen yeah. sources they use. Just figure out what yours is going to be. Go ahead, Jess. You just reminded me what I was going to say. Sorry, I got excited. So yeah. the guys on this call all have a similar personality trend, which maybe to varying degrees, but I'm going to say go big or go home is a trend that most of us share, right? Yeah. Trend that we share. Fair correct, enough. guys? So if you are, there's a lot of successful REO agents and brokers that don't have that trait. And that's okay because this is back to Brian's comment much earlier, which I actually thought was brilliant. Targeting the local credit unions and savings and loans, it doesn't take a lot of money. It doesn't take a lot of time and there's no travel. So if you want to build in a more slow growth manner, Go target the local people. 
it doesn't cost anything. And if you get a little bit there and you start taking that cash flow and you roll it in so that maybe I'll go to a conference, maybe I'll go to the next thing. This is my system of how do you go big or go home, right? That's not the only way to do it even within REO. Do you guys agree with that? Yes. Completely. Absolutely. Well, even Christina Griffin, for example, she's a great example. Christina pretty consistently carries right around 100 assets. And frankly, Christina's never been a traveler. She has, She's never gotten on a plane and traveled for REO. Virtually all of us have done that. Most of us, I think, except for Brian, most of us have spent a lot of time on planes. Mike, you were spending 10 grand a month. I was at 20 grand a month at one point. Jesse, I know you're on the road all the time. Tim, you're still on the road all the time. But you don't have to be. Christina got to 100 assets and didn't ever get on a plane, not once. So, what market is Christina in? She's in Tampa. Tampa. So, that, and that's and that's why, guys. This goes back to my beginning statement: yep. know your market. And if you don't know by just looking at NODs, ask a Club Wealth coach who does REO. They can get you the information of if your market has a lot of REOs. Florida has a ton of REOs still, right? If I was in Florida, I could get 100 assets without getting on a plane also. So I, I think you're totally spot on, Mike. Well, it's interesting because people talk about, you know, oh, it's too late and all the accounts, everybody's got all the accounts in my area and all that. That's hogwash. That is, I really want you guys to know that it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. They're, 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 they're going to screw up eventually. I used to race jet skis, right? And I got really good at it, not because I was in shape, not because I wasn't. I still liked ice cream back then, right? But because I would I would get behind number one and I'd wait for them to screw up. And they always screw up eventually. And as soon as they do, I'd slide into first place and away I go. And it's the same thing with REO relationships change, asset managers change positions, which, which is actually a good thing. If they go to another company, a lot of times they take you with them. Um, but what happens is when somebody that's had, you know, got a great relationship with an asset manager that's covering your area, that asset manager leaves, all of a sudden the new guy comes in, he may not want that agent that he inherited. He might not get along with them. And so all of a sudden that opens up that door for you or the agent that you've got gets complete, you know, that's number one in your market and that account, maybe they get complacent. They screw stuff up and all of a sudden again, now you've got the opportunity to slide in and grab those accounts. So that's wow. exactly right. Cause you guys got to remember when, when Southern California, we started getting a lot of REO in 06, 07, 08, 09. I did not get in until the end of 10. Right, I only had a couple of years to ride that at the end of that wave. And as I did meet these asset managers, they'd say, yeah, I use so-and-so. And they just take it all for granted now. And they're slow. And they don't do their tasks on time. And they, you know, they BS me all the time. And I said, well, give me a chance. That's all I said. Give me a chance. Let me prove to you that I can sell these things faster and for more money than any other agent. And they'd say, okay, you're excited. Okay. And, and you're right. Asset managers did switch and different things happen. And, and I absolutely took over in such a short amount of time. Yes, it was towards the end, but that's what it was. Complacent agents, you know, agents that weren't willing to get on a plane, agents that weren't willing to keep those relationships. And, uh, and they were starting to turn down tasks like Tim, like I see Tim on my screen right now. I've literally sat in a bar with Tim and had him take a BPO that's four hours away from him. And he'll look at me when they go to the bathroom and say, I don't even know where that town is, but he'll be on the <laughs> phone and he'll be finding an agent to go take those pictures. I mean, I mean, those are the types of things you need to do. And I, I guess you could call it fake it till you make it. But the reality is, is you're aggressive enough and you have the gusto yeah, you're a hustler. You're going to make it happen. I mean, I mean, Tim lives in Kansas. He's got an office in Phoenix. I mean, half of our friends have offices in Florida that that don't even never even been to Florida. I mean, it's crazy what some of these agents are willing to do. But the reality is, it's never too late. It's never too soon. It's always the right time if you're willing to write 
do the right investment. But the biggest thing I have to end this call on, you know, you can call this Mike's final thought is no matter what you do, I was right there to watch all the REO agents that gave it 100% lose everything. Very few good REO agents made it out of that. I mean, they are legitimately selling cars, working at Verizon. I could think of one that truly works at Walmart. And I tried to save a lot of them. And we still, to this day, coach a lot of them. And my God, please stay diversified, agents. That's for darn can, sure. Can I, can I give you my, my final thought then? Also piggybacking on yours, Mike, because I totally yep. agree with you, man. So for me, the REO agents that did make it out of REO are the ones that used REO to launch a retail business. And guess who were the people that taught me how to do that? You're looking at two of them on the screen, which is Michael Hellickson and Brian Curtis. So you get this great amount of REO inventory, and you're making so much money when you have all these REOs, you don't do anything with it. You're like, ah, I don't need retail. Retail's for suckers. And then, <laughs> and then you realize, you're like, oh man, but the REOs are going away. I better leverage these REOs into a retail biz, and then you launch this great business. So it's never when you say never too late, I agree. It's just all a matter of how you leverage it and what you do with it. So thanks, guys. Well, you know, you're hitting on, I'm going to get cut right to you in a second, but Jesse, you're hitting the nail on the head too with the whole, uh, you know, diversify your business and all this. We've actually got REO agents around the country now that are coming to us saying, look, I'm doing REO and I'm happy doing REO, but I want to hire Brian Curtis and and Club Wealth Expansion Services to run my buyer agent team. And I just, I just want you guys to handle that part of my business because at least then I can be diversified, but I don't have to deal with a person. But, but, but Michael, what is uh, Club Wealth Buyer Expansion Services? I'm not really as familiar with that, with that concept. <laughs> <laughs> Expansion <laughs> Services is pretty straightforward. I'm going to share this. Thanks for teeing that up. That was the point. Expansion Services, we partner with agents uh, from time to time all around the country. And Brian Curtis runs that, that part of uh, Club Wealth. Um, so obviously as a coaching company, we'll teach you guys any of this stuff that you want to know. We would love to help you. And, and it's just part of our coaching program. Um, for those that want us to become a financial partner in their business, we have expansion services and we make financial investments in businesses all over the country. Um, and we actually do things like we run Brian Curtis literally runs daily huddles for teams all around the country. He manages those teams. He does all the lead gen for those teams. He had, uh, he makes sure that all the backend systems are running, handles all the administrative staff, all that stuff. Um, to make it really, really simple for people to have operations in various parts of the country. And Brian, you kill it with that, frankly, brother. I appreciate you. Um, but one, I want to come back to before, Tim, I know you had a comment. Before you jump in, we were talking about, um, you know, how do you, how does Tim go out and, and people like Tim, how do you guys go out and get some of these assets in these other areas that are maybe a little outside what your, your, your home office? And I just typed into Facebook here. I said, you got to be a pit bull on the pant leg of opportunity. And it's really true. And you got to just want it so bad. And to Mike's point, Mike wanted it bad enough that he was willing to do whatever it took and to fake it until you make it or to act as if. But really that what it comes down to is I'm going to find a way to service that person. I'm going to find a way to take care of their need, whether it's me or I got to refer it out. No matter what, I'm going to be the guy that they call every time because they know I'm going to solve their problem. And that's what you've got to be. When you are the go-to person that no matter what can solve their problem, guess what? You're the first call they make. Tim, go ahead. So I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. Um, I, man, I don't know. I've been gone like the whole first, the whole first quarter of this year. I don't know. I think I've made six or seven or eight trips and I've got to spend time with some of my best friends in the REO business, as well as banks, asset managers, et cetera. You guys, it is such a small world. Like, I guess the number one thing I would leave with you is whether you get into REO or you don't get into REO, just do a good job. And like, don't step on anybody's toes, right? Because 
the REO world, whether it's growing or going, whatever the conversation is, it's, it's here. Like we have it, we have what we have. We may get more of it. We may get less of it, but REO is never going to disappear. So whether you get into it or not, if you do get into it, make friends with the people because one bank shuts down or buys another one or the asset managers or vendor managers go to another bank. Like they remember you and they remember who does a good job and they remember who's there to provide good customer service. And really that's what we want to provide. And it's a huge lead magnet. I have nine agents on my team right now that are all fueled by REO leads and they're all doing a really good job. Thank you, Michael Hellickson and Brian Curtis. (laughs) That's awesome. And you're killing it with them, Tim. You guys are doing a great job over there. All right. And by the way, your dial-up is showing again. <laughs> so parting, parting thoughts, guys. We're, uh, we're on the hour here. We got to wrap this up. So I want to just get one last quick party. You, got, you each have 10 seconds. Final thoughts. Brian Curtis. So my final thought is be first class. So if you get an REO, be first class. Treat it as if it were one of your retail properties and it's the most important property that you have. One of the things I think we're learning today in REO is to take professional pictures, to go out and make those properties look as good as any other property. What we learned from REO, we put in our in our retail world. And what I mean by that is we learned to be task-oriented from REO, and now we apply that in retail. Now we need to take what we learned in retail and turn it back to REO, and that will impress the, the asset managers if that's what you're going to do. So thanks, everybody. Love it. Thank you, Brian. Uh, Mike Bjorkman. Uh, I would say if you're going to consider getting to ARIO, this is the time now to where to join the platforms, try to get ARIO certified by all those little companies out there, get a Club Wealth coach that knows ARIO, learn BPOs, and start networking with the agents that do it now. Then you're going to be set for if we do get a wave or a trickle or the beginning, you're not going to be too late. It's not going to take you a year to catch up with everybody. And uh, it's never too late, but it's always better to be ahead of the game. That's it. Love it. Tim Ray. I would say is, uh, okay, we talked a lot about how to get in, what is REO, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, if you guys are getting into it or you get into it, you get a property sent to you or a bank wants to work with you and you don't know what to do, you're surrounded by a group of people that know what, what we're doing. So collectively, probably the people on this call have probably every ass, every asset company or bank that exists. Give me a call on my cell phone. I'm sure Bjorkman would take a call or Jesse would too. And Jesse's holding up a sign that says, I don't know what it says. Fun. It says fun. <laughs> I can't see with my dial up. Everything's blurry. <laughs> not do fun, right? No fun for Brian. No, I'm just kidding. Nope. None for me. All right. Anything else on that, Tim? No, that's right. it, man. Final thought for Jesse Zagorski. Hit it. Fun. One word. Seriously, everything we talked about in this hour, we totally ignored the fact that Ario is actually really fun. It really is. And if you think I'm weird for saying that after listening to this call, then it's probably not for you. It's task-driven, so there's no emotion. You know exactly what you're doing when, so your staff is awesome. Getting the business. We kind of glossed over the networking of what that really means to get business, but I've made some of my best friends, and some of them are on this call, by traveling around the country and hanging out with these people that like, I would do it just for fun. And the fact that I get paid to do it, is why I think we keep doing it. Like I don't think Bjorkman would have been away from his family that long. One, he made money, but if he wasn't enjoying it, right? Yep. So I, I kind of downplayed that part, but it is really fun. And just don't, if you're going to go for it, there's a number of reasons to do it. Profitable and fun. Love it. All right, you guys, we're wrapping up. My name is Michael Hellickson with Club Wealth. My final thought uh, for the, this call on REO is simply, here's the thing. Whether you know it's for you or not, 
explore it. And whether you do it now or you do it later or you don't do it at all, it's very important that you understand this part of the business. You got to understand who the players are. You got to understand how things work. And if you do want to get into it, get to know the people on this call. Very, very important. Like Tim said, the people on this call have every account in the country practically um, and uh, and know an awful lot about REO. There's some really good guys. And like Jesse said, my best friends in the world, you guys, I love you to death. Appreciate all of you guys for taking time out of your day to share with us today. Everybody have an awesome, awesome day. Remember, inside every one of us, there's this world-class person just dying to get out. You've got to choose to unleash that beast. You and you alone are responsible for making it happen. And if you don't implement, it's not going to happen. So implement, unleash that beast. And remember, you are world class.